You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Hans Ulrich Obrist. To listen to the full interview or hear more about the Creative Process projects, please visit www.creativeprocess.info. Hans Ulrich Obrist, welcome to the Creative Process. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to see you. You've had the opportunity to, I don't know how many interviews you yourself have done beyond your like over 300 exhibitions you've curated. Uh, I know rituals are important for you. What rituals of genius or what rituals of very talented people like of the Da Vinci realm of others have you observed? Yeah, I think it's interesting that the idea of the ritual, because mm-hmm. of course rituals always in, you know, also involve a certain repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is also a certain stability in it because they actually come back mm-hmm. uh, even if you know they're each time different but mm-hmm. there is a certain amount of repetition I think also in a way rituals are kind of a community without communication and I think today you know we live in a situation where we have a lot of communication with these devices yeah. without community mm-hmm. it's not because of these devices necessarily that we have community that can be quite isolating so mm-hmm. we have a lot of communication without community and I think in, in that very moment it's very important to have to kind of revisit this ritual idea which mm-hmm. is a community without communication. The Russian director Andrei Tarkovsky already observed, I think it was in the 70s or 80s, that we live in a society bereft of rituals and we need to kind of reintroduce mm-hmm. rituals. So I've always had a, an inclination one can say or a desire to kind of introduce rituals to my life. I mean one ritual is for example that I buy a book every day. Another ritual is the night train. And, uh, you know, I started really my whole trajectory by using night trains. And now, of course, with uh, the necessity and urgency to fly less, I want to bring night trains back. And unfortunately, you know, when I was a student uh, in, the, in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, you could almost go anywhere in Europe by night train. You could go from Paris, you could now take a night train at midnight to Zurich. You could basically just go to the railway station at midnight and go to a city in Europe. Yeah. And many of these night trains have actually disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I see it as a duty and a, an incredible necessity to bring these night trains back with artists and architects and designers and develop a kind of a new you know, presence of, um, of night trains. Because night trains were my most important rituals. I would just always, you know, I had no money for hotels. Mm-hmm. So I would just always, I mean now, I would just go to the railway station, go to the next city and, you know, Mm. Uh, take a train and I think we need to have that possibility again that we we can move slower so it's not about traveling less Mm. uh, but it's about traveling differently right so night trains is a ritual I would say also um, of course I mean Da Vinci Mm. had this sleeping rhythm that he would only sleep 15 minutes every three hours so that means he would seven eight times a day sleep for you know for 15 minutes and uh, I did that for almost a year Mm. and that's how I wrote my first books so kind of I mean now I sleep much more of course because it wasn't fully sustainable but that was another you know experiment then as I said you know I have a ritual uh, of buying a book every day I have another ritual of reading Edouard Glisson every morning I mean Glisson very early on understood that the homogenizing forces are at stake very much also in the world of culture and that this is not the first time we experience you know globalization but it's certainly without a doubt the most vehement moment of globalization we have experienced and I think um, it's important that we have to resist that because this homogenized globalization leads to extinction leads to a disappearance of species 
but also these kinds of cultural phenomena. And it was last week in the news that languages disappear at the faster speed than ever before. We're losing many languages. At the same time, you know, cultural phenomena such as handwriting disappear, which is why I devote or dedicate my Instagram, as you might know, yes. to, you know, doodling and handwriting. He had a fast exchange yesterday with Michelle Rovno. Mm-hmm. So every day, you know, I post a handwritten note or you're a tree by Kushonga, a Gothic Gaudi calligraphy, an Anak Gaudi calligraphy by Claudia Baches Rabal. So we post every day a calligraphy or a handwritten doodle or note mm-hmm. to protest against it is what's handwritten. So as Glissant says, we need to resist the homogenized globalization and what disappears with it. At the same time, he understood early on that there is a counter-reaction at stake and that that counter-reaction to globalization or can also be called anti-globalization will lead to the disappearance, will actually lead to the disappearance of tolerance. It will lead to a kind of anti-globalization through nationalisms, through localisms, in the worst case even through racisms. And he said we need to resist that as much. We need to vehemently resist, you know, these um, new forms of, of lack of solidarity, right? And so he said we need to resist globalization and we need to resist its counter-reaction. As I described to you, a day for me, you know, is very long. Mm-hmm. And yes. if I look at the day today in Paris, it was very intense. Mm-hmm. And when we can make a day a week or a week a month, you know, we can stretch time. Or liberate time. I think it's important also that we liberate time. For me, I'm always very worried, you know, I think the older one gets, the faster time passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think which something everybody you know observes that with every year advancing time goes faster mm-hmm. and so i think it's important that we liberate time because otherwise we can no longer be playful otherwise we just somehow are imprisoned in our own system of being busy you know and i think the idea of just being busy all the time you know we need to be able to be playful we need to be able to experiment we need to be able to, to be free and so in that sense it's about liberating time i think the most important thing is liberate time yeah. and i always thought you know that I don't have enough time, so I have to liberate time by not sleeping. But now I actually realize that I can do both. I can sleep and I can still liberate time. Today I saw Itel Annan, mm-hmm. the great poet and uh, artist and ar- you know, architect and mm-hmm. visionary writer. And uh, she always gives me so much courage, you know. And I think in a way, we live in a world where we need immense courage to function and even more courage, not only to function every day and get out of bed, but mm-hmm. we need immense courage to make a contribution to society. Mm-hmm. So I hope that with my work, mm-hmm. I can somehow create that. And I have a lot of mentors and artists from whom I got advice how to do it. But I think, yeah, I mean, it's hopefully, it's a toolbox. And you know, I think books, I mean, if you look at Glissant, when I grew up, you know, kind of Foucault and Deleuze, there was this mm-hmm. whole idea that they were like toolboxes. We could use mm-hmm. them. And I think today it's more Glissant. Mm-hmm. Glissant is a bigger toolbox today. It's a, it's a bigger toolbox than any other writer. And, you know, I hope that my kind of evolutive, sprawling, evolving exhibitions, in a similar way, can be a toolbox for people. As I listen to you speak, and I understand only a a, a slice of of your immense work, that you have a very pure relationship to art, and that there's a lot of cynicism that other people have about monetary values attached to art. And sometimes it's seen either as decorative or having this monetary value. Is that disappointing to you? To to me, you seem it's such a contrast to this. I grew up in a small town in Switzerland uh, called uh, Weinfeld. It's near Austria and Germany, so mm-hmm. it's the lake you know, of Constance where three countries meet. And when I grew up in this village, I would always read the village newspaper, of course, mm-hmm. when I came back from school. And there were all these articles about Joseph Beuys having founded the Green Party. Mm-hmm. And you know, already then, the, the idea of the Green Party was there, the idea of ecology was there. 
There was also there were all these artists about Andy Warhol doing the Last Supper in Milan. You know, these things made me dream. And then I kind of wanted to be part of the art world and started mm. to visit artists and so on. My mother, you know, once I left Switzerland, I left Switzerland quite early. I studied economy and ecology with Professor Binswanger. Then I got a grant. For, I did the kitchen show. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of also very DIY, I think, because I studied. Mm-hmm. And whilst I was a student, when I was 22, I did an exhibition in my kitchen with Peter Fischli, David Weiss, Christian mm-hmm. Boltanski and others, Frédéric Bolibouabre from the Ivory Coast, Boltanski from Paris, Fischli Weiss from Zurich. And this exhibition, you know, had 28 visitors, 29 visitors, but became a rumor. Because mm-hmm. people who saw it saw something really, you know, they had never experienced a show mm-hmm. in a kitchen, and then they told all their friends, and then mm-hmm. we did a book, and it became a rumor. So in a way, in a very DIY, it's kind of a do-it-yourself way. Mm-hmm. I had somehow it started to, to to work, but then I very soon, you know, got the grant mm-hmm. to go to Paris, became a, a resident at the Cati Foundation. Then I met my mentor Suzanne Paget, mm-hmm. whom I saw actually today, who now runs runs the Fondation Louis Vuitton, mm-hmm. and she was at the time the director of the Musée d'Art Moderne. She gave me my first job. She asked me to write for her Giacometti catalog mm-hmm. and interview all the artists who had known Alberto Giacometti, which is an amazing, amazing project for a 22-year-old curator to do because I could go and see Balthus, I could go and see Mata, I could go and see Cartier-Bresson. You know, they were all still alive, these historic figures mm-hmm. who knew Giacometti. And then basically Mario Merz. And, 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 you know, through that I became part of the Musée de la Moderne. Suzanne realized that I was more like a free spirit, so she invented this formula, migrateur, migrator. So it was mm-hmm. a migrating formula where little exhibitions could happen anywhere in the museum. Mm-hmm. And so, I had left Switzerland for good. I never went back. I mean, I have a lot of friends in Switzerland. I work sometimes there. Mm-hmm. Now I have a show there again, but um, it's urgent. But, you know, I'm, I've not been based in Switzerland ever since I'm 23, 22. I haven't had a house there. I stopped my studies. I went abroad. I work for the Museum of there. So obviously my model, you know, as a kind of a present at the end of the year, would always give me an envelope with all the articles which have actually reached the Swiss village from our world, right? But she would just, whenever there was an article about contemporary art in the village newspaper, she cut it up, put it in envelope. And the thing is really through that, through my mother's annual gift of this summary, you know, of what from our world reaches that little village, I realized really how the art world drastically changed. Because when I was a kid, it was all about the Green Party, about Joseph Boyce, about Andy Warhol, about big projects, big ideas. And little by little, it was no longer about that, but what reached the village in Switzerland were auction records. Yeah? Mm. And it's also interesting that always when I'm, I mean, I'm interviewed almost every day, you know, mm-hmm. for newspapers or magazines, and, and I'm very regularly asked to comment about the art market. Mm. And I always say, you got the wrong guy, because I know mm. nothing about it. I don't know more about the art market than anyone mm. in the street. I mean, it's not my job. I, you know, I work with the public sphere. I bring art mm. into the public sector. I, I work with artists, I do books, you know, I, I, I try to curate very public exhibition. We have more yeah. than a million visitors a year. So it's a very public work, but it's mm-hmm. nothing to do with the art market. So I really don't know much about it. I've never had a problem with the fact that there is an art market where mm-hmm. artists can make a living from. But what is an issue is that that becomes the main thing from our world, which goes into society, mm-hmm. you know, because it then replaces what are the strong ideas. And I think today, we have a situation where extraordinary artists are working. You know, the mm-hmm. Joseph Boys and Andy Walls of today are the Sandra Perrys and the Ian Changs and the Jakob Knudstinsons. And we basically need to, we need to find a way that actually the village newspaper will again write about these ideas and not just about auction records. And I think today it's high time that we go from eat to need 
-hmm. and that you do new experiments in other technology, which is why we've actually at the Serpentine appointed a chief technology officer with Ben Vickers. Mm -hmm. uh, museums usually don't have a CTO, mm -hmm. and we put technology as a very central aspect in our organization, science, research, development, and technology. And so with Ben, we started initially to do digital commission, mm -hmm. but now we've actually sort of put it much more center stage, and we're opening next week the South Fe exhibition, and that's a similar show like the Pompidou from the videos, mm -hmm. but completely different from the Pompidou because we're going to have our first VR commission with a cute, mm -hmm. and there's going to be a kitchen, like in my kitchen show, uh. with a VR kitchen. So it goes back to 30 years later mm -hmm. to the kitchen show. We've had a Hito style with special apps in the park, the inequality walk, and also her imagining Kensington Gardens as a, almost like sci-fi scenario 40 years into the future. Um, we had Jakub Knutstins, and that's a collaboration with BTS, the K-pop mm -hmm. band, and that's of course also crossing audiences, you see, because if this is the world of, you know, K-pop, and this mm -hmm. is the world of museums, there's of course an overlapping entity, mm -hmm. but it's great if all of a sudden, you know, you bring these two worlds together, and then everybody who is coming from K-pop can come and see Jakub Knutstins and, and vice versa, which, mm -hmm. which, you know, so basically you, you merge the fields. Yeah, I mean, I think that they can learn a lot from each other, I mean, first of all, it's a crossing of audience, and I'm very glad that all these teenage fans of BTS come to the Serpentine and meet contemporary art, because I believe mm -hmm. that contemporary art has a transform, transformative power, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it had an incredibly transformative, it had an incredibly transformative power on me. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who have these incredibly transformative experiences with art and architecture. Like mm -hmm. a taxi driver told me the other day when I dropped, when he dropped me, he wanted to ask if I worked there. He wanted to thank us because his daughter mm -hmm. last summer had this epiphany running into the pavilion that all of a sudden she wants to become an architect, you know. Mm -hmm. To meet, to sort of encounter art, architecture, design can have a, an incredible impact on us and our lives and really be a life-changing positive force. And so I want as many people as possible to have access to that, you know what I mean? And, uh, and that's of course possible through such a BTS experience because all of a sudden you have so many fans of BTS who come and see a very specialized contemporary art and technology installation by Jakob Knudstinsen and you all of a sudden have 1400 articles in the music world about mm -hmm. that. So it hopefully you know, creates that bridge. Want to get involved with exhibitions or interviews? Email us at team at creativeprocess.info. Thank you for listening.